It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Morning is all right for listening to Saturdays in the Gong. Good morning, everyone, wherever you are listening, be it 1575 in the Illawarra, 1170 in Sydney, or through the SEN app anywhere. I hope the sun is shining on you like it is us this morning at the beautiful, the pristine, the picturesque Wollongong Golf Club. I'm Matt Russell, joined by one of the Illawarra Mercury's finest, if not the finest. I've put Baz to second, pegging Mitch Jennings. Happy birthday week, big fella. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a good one. I'll tell you what, the Hydrolite's done its job along the way. But, uh, mate, I'm feeling, I'm quote my girl Lizzo, I'm feeling good as hell this morning. It, what a picture the course is. And no one does alliteration quite like Matty Russell, so I won't try to follow that up. But, uh, yeah, great to see you feeling good as hell. Absolutely. There's the gong because it is time to bang the gong right off the top. And I thought this is a good place to do it because for your birthday, Mitch, we went to Dicey Riley's and had a few uh, liquid lemonades. And I was staggered to read this, that the... Foundation meeting for Rugby League in the Illawarra was held at this site, Dicey Riley's, a place also known over the years as the Old Terminus and Dr. Max. I don't know what Dr. Max was prescribing, but <laughs> in 1910... Eggs in a glass, mate, is what he was prescribing. The first competition <laughs> featuring teams from Dapto, Unandera, Mount Kira, Helensburg and Wollongong started in 1911. So Dicey Riley's Hotel, where we were on Wednesday for your birthday, top end of Crown Street, was the birthplace for Rugby League in the this great rugby league region. Indeed, as an avowed rugby league man, as you know, that, that's basically my church, Matty, so I try to make a regular <laughs> pilgrimage where I can. I can actually reach out and touch that plaque from my uh, from my regular <laughs> stool as well. So, yeah, I like to uh, yeah, I like to go and pay tribute when I can. So, come on, Chris, bang that gong again for Dicey Riley's Hotel. We bang the gong about good and bad things for the Illawarra. I've got a bad one quickly for you, Mitch. The Wi-Fi reception on any train trip between Wollongong and Sydney, I think you're in range for about three minutes. Yeah. The trip takes about an hour ten, if you're lucky. What the hell can't we have Wi-Fi? Why wasn't why won't my phone and computer work on the train to Sydney? Yeah, it's it's a debacle. And, Wi-Fi and, everywhere. You're just walking around. It's the whole you're, uh, you're floating it around. It's it should be something that you think that we've got worked out by now, wouldn't you? It's but, picturesque. Uh, yeah. Like it's a not beautiful trip up through the national park, and you can you can forgive it for dropping out through a tunnel. But most of the time, it's just not working. Well, at the top, it's, it's when you go up and you hit sort of Helensburg there. You go around there, you go through all those, you look at all those abandoned sort of things where you think, you'd, you know, the mafia would dump a body. You go through up there and you get no phone reception. So, no, yeah, I, know, no I know exactly what you're talking about. That spot there, basically from, uh, you know, probably Otford to, uh, to the yeah. top of the mountain. Very hard to do any work. So, um, that's the bad gong about the gong and the trip to Sydney. What about you, Mitch? What's your bang the gong this week? Well, the good, Matty, and I know we're going to discuss it in some, some fair depth later on, but I'm going to give a big rap to the Illawarra Steelers. Finals uh, today in, in the women's and also in the Tasha Gale Cup. Alicia Kate Hawk and Courtney Crawford, the coaches there, doing a marvellous job. And the crowds have sort of gathered. The game's off gone too. Some Steelers faithful getting along to it. We will talk about it in some more depth specifics, Matty. But I'm going to bang the gong on the mighty Illawarra Steelers. Second hour of the show, a big segment dedicated to the Steelers, and we'll play that favourite song again, Mitch. But you got more. Yeah, I've got a bad one. We, you know, we mix the good and the bad on this show. And I just want to say, Matty, I... 
obviously the Mercury office is in, in Market Street, Upper Market Street, which is also right next to the Crown Central car park. Yep. Now, the amount of times <laughs> I drive along there and there's a big sign at the front of the car park, car park full, car park full. And if you don't believe the sign... Maybe you can be convinced by the 15 cars that are piling out onto the street and going all the way back up to the Tilly Lawara almost. If that's not bad enough, you've got nitwits from the other end trying to turn right across there. So the whole street's gridlocked. The only one doing good out of it is my mate Stu's cafe here because you've got enough time to stop, park the car, get out, get a coffee and get back in before you might even get into the car park. Uh, so I don't know how much they can do it structurally to do it, but how about you know some of the... The geese, we'll call them, in plural, <laughs> that are trying to get in okay. there and ignoring the puck up uh, on gridlocking the entire street. That's very my, good. That's my bang. Very call. good. Well, thank you to the Wollongong Golf Club where we are broadcasting from. No traffic jams here ever. You just no. come straight in, get a park, and uh, enjoy the fantastic facilities, be it on the greens or inside Wollongong City Motors. Motors test drive the GWM Habal today. Impact garage doors impacting homes for 20 years. And, of course, Illawarra Mercury, illawarramercury.com.au. Let's get into the footy. Last night in Darwin, plenty of rain as Brisbane and Parramatta went at it. The Broncos home 2016. Have a listen. Reynolds, magical play by the Broncos. Yes, riding off. Into the sunset, perhaps in Darwin here. Man and Reynolds. 26-16. The Broncos winning. The scoreboard became secondary the longer the game went, Mitch. And post-match, all that was talking about were hip drops. And I don't know where we go. I, I don't know because... There were three hip drop incidents, okay? We're waiting for the charge sheet to come out probably three minutes after we go off air today if the normal proceedings continue. So, all three... Were they hip drops? Well, Matty, yes, I think they were, but they were treated differently. So that's the confusion, isn't and it? And that's where the confusion comes in. We've spoken about it every week. We've tried to make some sense of what a hip drop is, what it looks like. And every week you see it treated differently. So that's where the confusion comes in. I think as much as it's frustrating, I think most people have you know, cottoned onto the fact that catastrophic injuries can occur as a result of this tackle. So as much as it's frustrating to see some seemingly innocuous ones penalised or someone, when injury hasn't occurred, still getting sent to the sin bin, that can be frustrating, but we're trying to come to grips with something. But when you see two sin binnings for basically, you know, I thought Jermaine Hopwood was a sin binning. The Ezra Mann one was a bit harder because he was getting sort of pulled through, but it was that action of losing your feet coming across the, the back of a player. But they didn't have Payne Haas have that catastrophic injury for... for Possibly a cracked hip. Probably a cracked hip. and So origin would disappear. Yeah, and I think and what we've got to say, we were saying before we came on air, Matty, the two things we've got to take out of this conversation, I bang this drum all the time, the words accident and intent are utterly irrelevant. They're utterly irrelevant in this. It's where the position you've ended up in. And I think we saw a real illustration of where they become prevalent or where they sort of become dangerous in the Hopwood one and in the Payne Haas one because... The try line was looming in both of those instances. So mm. you can't follow a guy through. You can't just let him go past you, fall down behind him, drag him down from behind. He's going into the end goal to score a try. So that's where we saw, I guess, both guys trying to anchor themselves and, and stop a guy's forward progress immediately where they stood. And that's where, you know, the injuries came up. 120 kilos of pain ass coming down on your, yeah. on your leg. And that injury, it's, you know... <laughs> so with Jermaine Hopgood and with Mam, you think to yourself, OK, they, they're different, but they're the same. If you leave your feet and your body weight comes down the legs of an attacking player, you are going to face penalty and probably a sin bin. Even though they're different, that's where the game is. You, you think to yourself, OK, I'm working this out now, despite the fact that you, you know you can build an excuse for Ezra being towed along by a, a bigger player. Then you get to the Payne Haas situation on Regan Campbell-Gillard, and, and Blocker had 
Reggie in his Origin team when he picked it this week as a as a as a just a test of where Regan Campbell Gillard was in that discussion. And then you think, okay, well again, body weight over leg, even though it looked a little bit different, body weight. Feet leave ground, body weight on leg. He's going to the bin like the other two, but then he doesn't go to the bin, and that's where the great confusion comes from. That's why we've had players here at the Wollongong Golf Club this morning coming over to us saying, I don't get it, I don't understand. They want to be able to sit in their lounge room or wherever they are on their device, watch the footy, see a tackle and know, okay, yet that's a hip drop, and as a result, he's going to the bin. Do you think that the bunker blinked last night and didn't want to have 11 on 13? Absolutely bottled it. I mean, that was such a that was such a gimme, whether you agree or not, with what had happened and the two sin bidings you just had before. I thought that had to be a sin bidding as well. And 11 on 13, that's a lot for any team to handle. Parramatta starting to nudge their way back into the game at that point. Uh, you know, it becomes yeah, crucial. And I, I think, yeah, bottled a tough decision that avoided making. What, what That's another thing. You've hit on something that complicates this even more, Matty, is the fact that these type of tackles, they're very, very difficult, almost impossible for the referee to call on the run. They're not that type of tackle. It's not like a head-high tackle that comes front on in full view of the referee. It's happening behind a player, so the referee can't really make a live decision on that. So they're pretty much all going to be made by the bunker, and they're all going to be made somewhat retrospectively when play's gone on or mm. after stoppage of play, and it's always going to be made based on looking at a replay in slow motion. So that's what makes it murkier too. It's Everything looks a bit different full speed to, to being on a replay but the only way we're really judging these at the moment is via the bunker which is multiple replays behind the place. Well so Fox League's Warren Smith and Blocker Roach both thought that the uh, Paulo landing on RCG was the worst of the three and when you take into consideration the injury out of it which is a factor whether you like it or not it has to be taken into consideration Then, if any of the three should have gone to the bin the only one who didn't probably should have and therein lies the confusion that's why we're we're seeking clarification I'd say the most from accidental the out, of, out of the three of them too mm. if, if people are going to harping on this oh, accidental intent I thought the pain house one was the most accidental yep. he got pulled through he missed and he was falling around behind him and the guy was trying to score a try it was the most accidental but it was the worst of the lot a couple of other observations out of last night first half Payne Haas was playing against Barlow and Regan Campbell-Gillard his first half pain, 11 runs, 136 metres, four tackle bus. So let those numbers sink in. 136 run metres, four tackle bus, first half alone. You combine the two Parramatta starting front rowers, 67 metres for one tackle bus. He had more than twice the run metres of the opposition starting front rowers. And at half time, Parramatta had missed 21 tackles, Brisbane six. There's the game right there. They led well at half time. As the rain came, they went on to win it. Now, 24 hours earlier, Penrith against South Sydney. We thought the Panthers were home with a few minutes to play when they led by eight, but South Sydney, led by Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker and company, delivered this. Clears knows it. Walker, here they go again. Mitchell, cut out ball this time. Johnston inside the Panthers' half. Back to Walker. Tass in support. Hands, Tass, Cleary again. Won't get there. South Sydney. Rabbitohs break through the rabbit proof fence. What a try by South Yeah, what a try, Vossi. The question is, should they have even been in a position to win it with that late try, was the Latrell Mitchell try. The bat-back in the eyes of the officials, a bat-back or a knock-on, it had Ivan Cleary raising his eyebrows in the post-match media conference, Mitch. Absolutely play-on try. Yeah, I'm I with just, you. I, it's, I'm with it's you. Absurd. It's absurd. I'll tell you, if you want to get really technical about it, if we call it a tip-on, as you would see a centre onto a winger, 
that would make it a pass and therefore something the bunker isn't able to rule on. So, oh, no, in the end, right decision made, I think, absolutely went, at, at worst, straight up in the air. Didn't go forward. Try. Three tries to Stephen Crichton, Latrell Mitchell prominent. Are they both playing Origin 1? Have you got Latrell Mitchell and Stephen Crichton in your Origin 1 team? Well, it... Blocker had Crichton on a wing, if you're looking for clarification there, and Latrell in the centres, obviously. Well, you probably could find some room for him on the wing because, you know, and obviously we saw as well, you throw in a bit of uh, goal kicking back up too. He was pretty handy in that regard too. So that's where you'd probably consider him in the centres. I'm still thinking Latrell and, and Turbo, but we'll... Um, I guess that's the one spot that might be a little bit up for grabs is a spot mm. on the wing. And, I mean, people have said his versatility. You can probably move him to centre, fullback, you know, on the run if things happen. But then you've got to carry someone who can play wing on the bench. So it's hard to find a fit. We always want origins like that. You always want to try to fit every every person in that you can. I think, And I think on form this year, um, you've probably got to lean more to... I think Campbell Graham's probably still in front of him. You know South Sydney's right-side attack had scored more tries than their left-side, their famed left-side attack before Thursday night, but I looked at it as a game where the left struck back and said, every time you come this way, we look like we're going to score. And ultimately, that's where they landed their, their winning try. So well done to... Alex Johnston's side of the field, not Jackson Barlow's side of the field, which had been reaping rewards for them so far. South's now 5-3. and three. They're off to Brisbane next Friday. Won't that be a game? Oh, South be a Sydney against Broncos next Friday. And Penrith, they're 4-3. and three. They're off to the Golden West. Bathurst next Saturday for West's Tigers. So uh, that, was a, that was a fantastic game. I thought both games have been... Continued the theme. Good rugby league. Great attack we saw on Thursday night. We saw some real physicality last night in Darwin. Something for everyone so far. Yeah, indeed. The physicality of the Broncos from top to bottom really impressed me. What their, their back five, as far as how they get involved. And last night they knew, I guess, especially as the conditions worsened, it had to get tough. The likes of Cobbo, he basically played... It's like he had a number eight on underneath his jersey. He was big enough to play eight. Big enough for years, but <laughs> went through the middle. Katoni stays that power game, and obviously the, the Rabbitohs finding something at the end. Patrick Carrigan, he was, was smacking blokes early. He was absolutely smacking blokes as well. And then South, the, if you look at South's game, and you mentioned, it was interesting that you mentioned the right and the left side, because they've scored a lot on the right, but a lot of the time it's been Cody Walker sweeping and actually playing both sides of the park. Yeah. And the way he finished that, the way he found Tass at the end there, Cody Walker is not the best half I've ever seen, but I'll tell you what, he, he's the best I've ever seen in traffic. His, his awareness when in broken play of where his support players are, of where the defence is coming from, it's absolutely masterful. The only the person I could compare it to that was like that was probably Darren Lockyer, if I go back and try to think. His awareness in traffic, in finding the right guy, was just incredible. And, and Cody Walker's in that class as far as just awareness of, of where he is in traffic in, in broken field. And we saw that there, just the perfect, just enough to hold the defence up so Tass could uh, get the match winner. So brilliant stuff from Cody Walker. Just just absolutely marvellous to watch. We're going to talk more rugby league after the break, Mitch. But as I look over Wollongong Golf Club, we could host a live event. We could, we could host a live event tomorrow. That all the Masters. The course looks so good. Give us a major event. We're back right after this. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. And then someone yelled out, contact, and the bloke behind me swore. We looked in there for hours, then a 
got all muddy raw And Frankie kicked a mine The day that mankind kicked the moon God help me He was going home in June Now the Red Gum Classic I was only 19 John Schumann wrote that song based on experiences he had with veterans, particularly his brother-in-law, Mick Storen, along with Frankie Hunt. It's fantastic, and we play that as a tribute to the service men and women, past and present, some fallen, never forgotten. Of course, we say thank you to all, and we are honoured that Rugby League plays a small part in sharing their special day, Anzac Day, this Tuesday. Mitch, a couple of traditional games St. George Illawarra against the Roosters, Melbourne Storm against the Warriors, Matt Russell, Mitch Jennings. When it comes to that first game, Dragons, Roosters, obviously the Sam Walker selection, non-selection has been a big talking point from a Roosters perspective. What about the St. George Illawarra side of things? Oh, well, look, it's the same discussions going forward and forward, isn't it? There'll be more talk this week about the the future of Anthony Griffin and what that's going to mean, the the club's search for a coach. Uh, Not a lot. I think, as predicted, Matty, the the board board meeting, the consequential board meeting, that was looming. Uh, didn't really uh, amount to much in that regard, which is, is what was expected. So a bit of a longer week too, so it bubbles on a bit longer. But interesting um, how this clash goes. It's an opportunity there because as you look at, this clash has traditionally thrown form out the window as well. I mean, it doesn't really matter where which side's sitting on the ladder in this one. It's got that big game feel that, you know, we'll often have a team rise for it. I was, I'll give a wrap to our uh, to my, my boss, but also our... Our esteemed SCN, colleague. Our esteemed colleague, Tim Barrow. Uh, not here with us today, but in a... Uh, he's on coaching duties. He and Matt Campbell, the Hawks great, who normally take part in this show, they're coaching their children. There you go. Well, how good is that? We'll sound yes. wrong on that. But, uh, it's Wayne challenging, Bennett, let me tell you. Indeed. But, uh, <laughs> look, they've played, since Wayne Bennett left, the Dragons have won five of... 21 games against the Roosters, and all five have been in Anzac Day games. So okay. outside of this game, they're 0-11. Right. So we remember in the corresponding clash last year, 14-12, they got up all their points in the first half, tackled their way to victory, and I was then they were subsequently up by the same margin against the Roosters later in the year and conceded, oh, whatever it was, 38 second-half points or something, just not a capitulation. So oh, either way, the Dragons need to find something in this game. They've been uh, pretty ordinary as far as... As much as they were tight games the last two. Um, not Gold Coast, really. Canberra. Gold Lost Coast, both. Canberra. And have found a way to, to lose it at the death, both with a bad defensive lapse against the Titans and then a, you know, a pretty ordinary uh, final play uh, in the one against the Raiders, it's got to be said as well. So they'll need to find something. Six games remain in the Anzac round. Let's go through a set of six. Give me short, sharp answers to these six questions to preview the rest of the round. In 2001, Matt Rogers became the only Shark to score in four straight games against Canterbury. Thanks to the Fox Sports Lab, Matt Rogers, 01, only Shark to score in four straight games against the Dogs, and that remains. Durinaldo Mulatalo or Sione Katoa equal that streak today. They've scored in three straight games against the Dogs. Surely, Ronaldo Mulatalo or Sione Katoa get over for the Sharkies today. I'm going to say both. Both. Both will, Matty. I'm with you. That's my take. I'm with you. Okay, the, the dog's still a little bit undermanned. Now, the home team has won the last nine games in the North Queensland-Newcastle matchup. Of course, the Cowboys at home this evening. Does that streak continue? Does nine become ten games of the Cowboys-Knights matchup going to the home team? Yeah, look, I think it's got to... I'm going to lean towards 
the the Cowboys in that one. They've, they've really got to find something, don't they? I mean, it's still so early in the year, but uh, look, could well be slipping away from them already. Um, Campbell said last week about how different it is when you come in as a top established top four side and how teams come for you differently and everything mm. else. So they've been struggling with it. The Knights, I thought outstanding last week, but uh, I think up there I'm going to give the edge to uh, to the Cows. Play well, play safely. Kalen Ponga. Now, Dolphins-Titans. Who scores the most tries? The Hammer or Aliafana Khan Pereira? Run me through them again, Matty. So... The Hammer, Hammer so Tabuai Fado, or Aliafana Khan Pereira. So the Hammer at the back for the Dolphins and Khan Pereira on a wing for the Titans. Who goes or who scores the most tries today? I think the Hammer in irresistible form. Hammer, how good has he been? He's come across and he wanted his opportunity to, you know, be uh, be a fullback. And obviously the Cowboys let him go. He was surplus to requirements there. Been outstanding. So I'm going to back the Hammer going to be hammer time. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, the Tigers. We've got to have a question about the Tigers against Manly. I keep hearing people say, I think the Tigers are due to snap this streak. They're 0-6 this season. They're 0-11 if you go back into last year. So they're looking to avoid a dirty dozen 12 straight defeats. Their spine, Jareem Buller on debut. Brandon Wakem, Luke Brooks in the halves. Arpi Corusau the nine. Is this the week at Campbelltown against Manly the Tigers have their first win of 2023? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say a lot of talk about Buller. We've got golfers around us shaking their heads and saying you're funny. I thought thought, thought they really started to find something. Happy Coruscant in particular really good. They started getting some push around him in the last outing and I think some positive signs but uh, you know Manly uh, how good were they last week so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's at Campbelltown, though. Manly is starting to be a bit like their fans. They only turn up at Brookvale this year so far. <laughs> so um, so we'll see, but I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna have to back the Seagulls in that one. Sun, uh, hopefully a sunny Sunday afternoon at Campbelltown. Maybe a big crowd. Let's hope the Tigers can give us something tomorrow. Seagulls fans are saying, no, we don't want to see anything. <laughs> Save that for the next week. <laughs> Save it for a week down the track. Now, heads and tails on Tuesday after a really special, solemn morning. Again, we, we thank and salute our service men and women past and present. Uh, heads and tails in the afternoon. You flick the coin. Who lands on top? Joey Manu or Ben Hunt? You're going... Manu or Hunt in heads and tails? I'm going to go Manu, and I'm really mm. excited to see how he goes. He's an outstanding player. You get the ball in his hands a little bit more. He's in the top couple of handful of players in the game. He's the golden boot winner, so I'm going to go with Manu. Whichever whichever side of the coin he's on, uh, he's on putting a fair bit of cash on it, mate. Now, Tuesday night, uh, Melbourne play the Warriors. The Storm were on a 13-game winning streak against the Warriors. Last Anzac Day, it was 70 points to 10. And this losing streak by the Warriors against Melbourne isn't just a bit of bad luck here and there. They have been slaughtered. They've been they've been annihilated in games, and that's a good example, 70 to 10. So they've scored 40 points or more, Melbourne, in four of their last six games against the Warriors. Over or under 40 by the Storm Boys on Tuesday night. Go under. I just think the way the Warriors... And that, and the Warriors have sort of, under Andrew Oster this year, built a bit of a turnaround about some pretty resolute defence. It's obviously something they knew they had to fix. And games got away from them in that fashion in recent years. So I think de- I think Melbourne to win, but definitely under that mark. Can they bring Roger Tuovasa-Shek in for Tuesday night? Not in time. What a signing. Absolutely, what a signing. Especially when you now 
on the trajectory they're on under, under Webster, like we mentioned, they, they really seem like they're up. And now you add a player of that calibre to that mm. roster, suddenly they're, they're pushing right up into, into calculations. So, yeah, just a phenomenal player, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, and to put him back in, in that side, uh, just massive, massive. They're massive for the game. Sean Johnson, nine try assists this season, second tier in that regard. If he if he plays on next year and can maintain the form, gets RTS back, what does it mean for Charles Nickel Klukstar, who's been good and left the Raiders to go back and play number one? Uh, does he leave the club? Does he stay in a different position? What, what do you see happening to CNK? I think he's played centre at test level, you know, and Roger Tuovasa-Shek, oh, there's one, two, three at best in this game that you'd put ahead of him in a position anywhere. So Roger Tuovasa-Shek's comebacks, he, play, he plays fullback, he's your man, and you find place for, for Nicol Klukstar as well, and I think the centres would be it. We'll have more rugby league throughout the morning. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong, broadcasting from the wonderful Wollongong Golf Club. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Now that puts me in a mood. My favourite Akadaka song, Shoot to Thrill. Why do we lead in with Shoot to Thrill? Mitch Jennings, Saturday's in the gong. Back for another half hour here. It's because we're going to talk some hoops. And I'll tell you who was shooting to thrill. Joe Ingalls, the Aussie, hitting five of six threes in game two of their NBA playoff series against Miami. Um, I'll tell you what. Joe Ingalls, well done. Have a listen to what Joe's been up to stateside this week. Vincent inside out of bio can't hold on here comes Ingles takes a three in transition and knocks it down Lopez a three batted out Ingles reloads you can tell he is feeling it as this entire team is Holiday leading the charge baseline Ingles team has into the third and another drain Ingles, Uh, nothing slow-mo about that, Joe. Ingles representing Australia brilliantly. The NBA Finals, Mitch, that create a lot of interest in Australia given the growth of basketball, the way that the NBL is continuing to develop. But let's run through it. Joe Ingles, uh, Milwaukee against Miami, Jock Landale, Phoenix against the LA Clippers, Paddy Mills and injured Ben Simmons, Brooklyn against Philly, Brooklyn struggling there. Injured Matty Delavadova still representing Sacramento against Golden State. Uh, Jack White was a two-way contract with Denver. He's ineligible because of that two-way contract, but still is with Denver as they play the Timberwolves. And Josh Giddey's OKC Thunder eliminated in the play-in tournament after he had 31 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, and a block against New Orleans. What a career he seems set for. This season has been a breakout year. He'll go on to bigger and better things, and bigger and better dollars, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure there'll be bigger and better dollars. Isn't it interesting that he's come along, you know, so soon after, obviously, Ben Simmons was the great hope. We're going, this guy's going to be our best ever, our generational talent to be drafted, the way he was to be so highly touted. He was certainly the most high-profile uh, draftee that we ever had going in that way. Obviously, Andrew Bogut was a number one as well. Mm. So, But uh, indeed so quickly, and he's obviously fallen off for all sorts of reasons. It's been a bumpy ride for Ben Simmons, and 
in that time already you've had a Josh Giddy emerge to sort of be flying the flag for Australia in that and mate the way he's playing who's to say you know all-star stuff will be in the future and everything else he's uh, he's certainly on a trajectory to you know be you know the best we've had which is saying something now the Inbuil draw was released this week and we'll run through the Sydney Kings and Illawarra Hawks draw really quickly I want to get to Blocker Roach's uh, New South Wales origin team at the end of this break so stand by for that and you can debate that wherever you're listening but the Kings, game one in Wollongong against the Hawks, Saturday, September 30th. So that's grand final, NRL grand final eve. Um, and then Banner Day, that's where they raise their championship banner. That's Sunday, October 8th against Adelaide, their first home game. Here's the thing, 11 of the Kings' 14 home games are Sunday afternoons at 3.45. If you think the Broncos get a good draw in the NRL, what about that for the Kings? 11 of 14, just lock them in Sunday afternoon. You, you go there in your sleep. You sleepwalk to the game, it's that regular. Yeah, indeed, Matty. Look, we've said before, on the back end of that championship, they won. They've really surpassed Perth, I feel, as being the benchmark on and off the floor in this league. But that's absurd, Matty. It's got to be said that it's absurd. The fundamental unfairness of that, especially in a in a league in a game that where television time slots are quite irrelevant at this point still to teams as far as building brand and all that stuff because there's not a lot of money in the television rights for the NBL. Obviously, that was what was behind the old Brisbane Bron- the Friday night Broncos thing was about the TV time slot and the way those ratings were. But you know, they've earned a lot of what they get, Sydney. But 11 of 14 on a Sunday. And if you look on the flip side of that as well, Maddie, down in Melbourne United, nine Sunday games, three Saturdays. So how you give, your, you know, your big franchises in the two biggest cities we have, and let's face it, the, the health of the NBL will always hinge on how those, those marquee teams are going in the two biggest cities. Isn't that smart then? To look after them and the well, crowds you, and therefore be able to boast sellouts and huge, you know, occasions I, I and atmospheres. I do agree, Manny, but it's, it's, it's gone too far. It goes too far. When, you, when you're getting that much of an advantage for, for teams that all naturally are inclined to having the biggest crowds, they're in the two biggest markets. And I, I remember I wrote about it last year, Melbourne United, the big the throwdown that they have with South East Melbourne, the biggest broker rival we've got going, cracks 10,000 fans. You put it on a, on a Thursday night, put it on a, on a time slot that's not in that Sunday time slot. They lost about 5,000. Mm. Didn't nudge, didn't even quite nudge six in that. So it just shows you how important the friendly time slots are and the family-friendly time slots are as far as getting crowds. So, look, I don't think we're going to hear many apologies from, uh, <laughs> from the Kings. And, look, the, the swagger they've got about it, they, they've earned a lot of what they get in that regard. So I would have no dramas if... They did have the most of those games. Like you said, it's strategic for the NBL if they want to build their in the two biggest markets. But I think you've still got to in a draw in what is supposed to be, you know, fairness and give all sides a fair crack at everything. Um, I think it's probably skewed a little bit too far uh, in favour of the heavyweights well, in, do you in want, that regard. Do you want me to make you feel even worse? On Christmas night, they, they host Illawarra. That Christmas night game now becoming a double and it's Kings-Hawks 7.15pm Christmas night. That starts a run of seven home games out of nine during the holiday period for the Kings. So it's, it's a great period for them to be able to uh, get some continuity at home and the draw certainly looks after them. In terms of the Hawkies, well, they've avoided those dreaded Monday and Thursday games largely. 11 of the 14 Wollongong games are Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, now the emphasis falls back on the Illawarra and South Coast community to say we've given you the slots you asked for. Vote with your feet. Get to the game. No more 2,200. We need to be up around the five 6,000 mark week in, week out. 
that's the uh, way the draw has been designed. So the pressure put back on the fans. Yeah, indeed. It has. I called it the draw. Just value the tickets year. the right way, exactly. and then there'd I, be no excuses. I said it last. I called it a piss take when I crunched those numbers last year on the on the draw. What the Hawks did deal with, but when I when I did, you know, crunch those numbers in the friendly time slots, the Hawks. The crowds were, were, were pretty good. So it's a small market team. It's not going to be, you know, cracking the crowds that, you know, Sydney and Melbourne will. That's just a fact of life. But you, you, you're 100% right, Matty. The, the draw is friendlier this, this year as far as being able to get to games. Less weeknight stuff, all that. No dreaded Mondays. It was funny you bring up um, Grand Final Eve. I remember Lamello Ball's first game, the huge big game. Let's launch this guy. Yes. They had it on Grand, on grand Final day. day. That was his first game. I know. So, and I, I said to Melbourne, I said, are, are you lunatics? Like, yeah, the, yeah. Know, in the Eastern Seaboard, rugby league is the thing. And, yeah. and if you try and go up against the NRL Grand Final, yep. you might as well play it you know, in the back block somewhere in front of three people. Well, exactly. But that, that just spoke, like, not to go too far back down that path, but that just spoke to how little the NBL at that time tried to boost the actual Hawks. It was they, yes. they never put his games against Sydney or Melbourne in that sort of time slot. That's why you've got to, that's why you've got to look at the draw so closely because you've got to make you've got to expo- you've got to apply some scrutiny to it in that regard because I mean they're the things you've got to look at. But as you say, Manny, much friendlier for the Hawks this year. The owners will be back on the Hawks faithful, get out there, see their games and I think the way they're putting their team together, you're gonna have a next star in AJ Johnson who as our uh, El Presidente, Matty Campbell, pointed out to me when the signing became public, was actually rated higher at this point than Lamello was when they started that conversation. We all know what Lamello went on to do, but uh, he's going to be really, really exciting, I think, in that backcourt with Tyler Harvey, Justin Robinson, and I do feel that uh, the third import is going to be big for okay. the Hawks, Matty. So, okay, I, I think yeah. you've got some mail there. I, I think you've been tipped off by the GM of basketball, one Matt Campbell. No. I'm sensing... There's a big back page coming. No, no, no. Yeah, no. okay. I okay. don't think it, it, won't, it won't be coming imminently because so he's, you know, he's not getting out of the the, the Vegas junket. We've got to, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, as far as he's concerned, there's still a lot to work out, you know, over there on the ground. But I, I do think with a top up coming of an import, I think the prospect for a turnaround in fortunes uh, for the Hawks is on the cards. And yeah, great to be tipping off against Sydney as well. They've got Sydney, their two home games against Sydney, if I remember correctly, looking at the draw, inside the first six rounds, both their home games against Sydney. So, you know, we should get some big crowds to those because we always do. And, you know, like you say, fans have got to turn up to them. One of our fellow Illawarra residents who I work with at Fox Sports News, Sam Squires, did a great chat with David Stevenson, the new CEO of the NBL, announced this week. Now, he's an interesting character. We might hear from David later on in the show if time allows because it was a great chat by Sam. Uh, He's been... AFL General Manager of Operations, Western Bulldogs CEO, and Nike Emerging Markets boss. Uh, so that's keen. He's been brought in to oversee growth, expansion, development. So uh, a very, I think we can read a lot into that appointment, what the league hopes to do in coming years. David Stevenson joining the NBL, part of the news this week. Okay, I promised you Blockers Origin team. We'll leave basketball there, come back to rugby league. I want you to argue with this real quickly if you have a problem with it. I'll go through it 1 through 17. Teddy at the back, obviously. Toto and Crichton, the Penrith players on the wings. Mitchell and Trebojevic in the centres. No surprises there. He's stuck with uh, Luai and Cleary in the halves up front. Haas, Cook, Regan Campbell-Gillard. So a question mark over that one now, given the suspected broken hip to Regan Campbell-Gillard last night. Back row, Murray. Ola Kawatu and Yo, he reckons Ola Kawatu can bring the aggression that he believes was lacking last year from the Blues. Then the bench, Barlow, Saifiti, Hudson Young and 
Nico Hines. There's Blockers 17. I'll let you contemplate that because we need to have an ad break. We're back after this to talk cheating. We'll talk cheating on Saturdays in the Gong. Not that any- There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yeah, with Matt Russell and Mitch Jennings. Mitch sitting here proudly at Wollongong Golf Club wearing his Victoria Bitter T-shirt. Making me very thirsty indeed. Have you tried the six percenters? They're, they're very good. Oh, they're very good. The throwdowns are very good. But anyway. Careful. I'm against throwdowns <laughs> on principle, so Alex that's probably what's going to keep me off them. what's happening for the Volk, uh, who I read had a foot injury and a significant foot injury in that last uh, fight? Yeah, well, look, it's an insight into these guys that to, at that really elite level, UFC level, you've got to train at such a level that you're susceptible to injury in training so you'd be there's stuff we don't even hear about you'd be very 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 rarely does a guy get in the cage fully fit it's just the reality of the sport but uh look yeah you, you wouldn't have known the way the way uh, the performance he put on and uh, i think we are going to see that rematch I'm, I'm more confident about that now than i probably was i think time has passed i think islam and his team were were mm. kind of happy to uh i guess have got through that one dodged that bullet and the way it finished, you know, I think looking back on it, the amount of debate about the decision, the way it finished with Volk, in Volk's own words, punching his head through the canvas, uh, <laughs> which is true. Uh, there's probably some clamour for a rematch, but Volk will be probably in action there, saying in July in the National Fight Week against Yair Rodriguez back at Featherweight. And I am intrigued by that fight. I, I, I think Alex will win. Okay. I, 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 don't, I can't see any other prospect than him winning and winning convincingly. But, as he said himself, Volk's had these huge fights of late, but against guys that are... So good at what they do, but predictable in what they do. Yo Rodriguez is someone who throws stuff way out of the box, unpredictable. He'd be a bit of a different puzzle to prepare for, but I can't see anything other than a, than an emphatic Volk win in, in that one. So popular in the Illawarra, so popular across Australia. We hope the Volk continues to go got oh, the keys so to well. the city yet? No, not yet. We, we're still <laughs> campaigning, and while ever we have the current mayor, he won't be getting the keys to the city. But that current mayor might not be there forever, so keep going, Volk, and see if you can outlast the esteemed Gordon Bradbury, who's doing a great job for the Illawarra, pushing uh, our case uh, as local mayor, good on you, Gordon. Now, uh, the cheating ultra-marathon runner, didn't she get some traction this week uh, <laughs> by jumping in a car for 4Ks? She defended herself by saying she never intended to continue, but the official said, you'll never forgive yourself if you don't continue. So she did. And then when they came to just give out the medal, she had an error of judgment and took the bronze. Uh I don't know how you deem that, but it did get me thinking. Is that I'd do the, the same? Is, on that, is that the worst cheating story this week? No, it's not. I know I've been talking a bit of basketball this hour. Go to the Chinese basketball, where there were two teams found to be being negative in competition. That's a sweet woke modern way of saying match fixing. Uh, they were accused or charged with passive playing. Again, it's match fixing. The Jiangsu Dragons gave up five turnovers in less than two minutes to concede a 10-0 run. They lost by four. Now, I looked it up on YouTube. If you played blindfolded and drunk, you couldn't come up with worse turnovers than the Jiangsu Dragons. I, I have. I have. They, they, they were never literally got, never that on deficit. a silver platter handing it to the opposition saying, we're not meant to win this. You are. And they did by four points. It's a joke. That's the worst cheating of the week. The ultramarathon runner. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. The Live Golf Tour has arrived in Adelaide with a measly 38 million bucks up for grabs. Really, I don't know how they pay the rent. Mitch Jennings, what's the leaderboard after the first round? Remember their 54 hole events, the Live Tour events? Yeah, different Taylor Gooch, 10 under leading the way. 
Richard Bland and Dean Burmester four shots back, six under. Well, I'm looking at Cam Smith, the best of the Aussies, at three under, and Mark Leishman one under par. Big so, Broncos like fan, Cam Smith. So he'll be he, he'll be on a high after last night's re- result in Darwin, and he'll have a big second round. You'd think that the live golf events are ones that we'd fit right in at when you read that Cam Smith was interrupted by a DJ who rushed the green to do a shoey. After hitting the worst shot of the day, Smith said, I've still had a really good day. That was at the watering hole where we just had a look at one of the clips. It's pretty wild. It's not like your gentrified golf, the LIV Tour, the Live Tour, is it? It's very happy Gilmore, isn't it? It's very happy Gilmore. We've got to enjoy that. And that look, that's what, they, that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to create an experience different to traditional golf because that's what they're, that's what they're trying to do, whatever, a lot of opinion shared on it. But uh, whichever way you look at it, that is, that's what the MO is going to be. The first Live Tour event to come to Australia at the Grange Club in Adelaide. So enjoy the weekend if you're watching or planning to go down there. Plenty more in the mowers club which is up next on 1170 in sydney of course saturdays in the gong continues on 1575 and on the app but i'll give the final say this hour to the illawarra's very own peter valandis he loves the mowers club so he'll be listening to the next hour for sure after rugby union declared an interest in Payne haas the nrl commish shot back this week if rugby union isn't good enough to gain its own publicity don't use rugby league maybe if their game was more interesting they would have some good publicity Good old PVLA, Mitch. He's talking like a true Wollongonian. Absolutely. (laughs) Rubber won't know what hit it. You can't take on Rubber League. Rubber, no chance. (laughs) We're back the next hour. If you're listening in Sydney, stand by for the Mowers Club. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEM Track. Ah, Saturday night is coming quickly, but before that, the golfers are enjoying the wonderful surrounds at our hosts, the Wollongong Golf Club, Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years, and Wollongong City Motors. You want to test drive a good vehicle? Go down to Wollongong City Motors. Matt Russell, alongside Mitch Jennings, bringing you Saturdays in the gong on a glorious day in the Illawarra. I think, Mitch, before we launch into our next chat, we need a bit of a theme song, and we'll go to one of our favourites that sets the scene perfectly as the buggy flies past. Let's go to a song we know oh so well. Okay, we'll let that bubble away in the background. That puts lead in your pencil, doesn't it? Oh, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely it does. You feel like running on. You could run on right (laughs) now and play 80 minutes without missing a tackle. Run for 200 metres. Payne Haas. Is Payne Haas playing for the Steelers? Payne Haas type (laughs) performance. Uh, But, Mitch, this weekend, a couple of big semi-finals. Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership. Steelers v Canterbury. Tomorrow, Leichhardt Oval, 12.45. Straight after... The Tasha Gale Cup team. So that's the under-19s. Steelers v Canterbury. Again, Leichhardt Oval, 10am. Head up the highway. Get there early. Watch the Steelers in both grades. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. It's going to be in there. Red-hot chance in both, you would think. It was... Um, look, it, you, people don't understand 
well, not many people are attuned to how ruthless the finals cut in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership was this year. 11 teams into four. It was absolutely ridiculous how tough it was going to be. There Which were I don't be, mind. I, I oh. hate the 11-team comp. Let's yeah, have eight play I, the absolutely. finals. We, we, award, we reward mediocrity yeah. too often in a lot of finals races. But uh, yeah, into 11 into four. The, the movement that happened in the final round with some teams, you know, that were stacked that have missed out on finals altogether. Um, it's nothing to be sneezed at, the achievement for the Steelers to be in the finals, you know, in their in their maiden year. Up against the Bulldogs, who a lot of people had penciled in as the, the favourites for the competition when the season started. They copped the loss last week, but there were a lot of their big guns not playing. So they've brought a fair few back in this week. Uh, obviously, Ruben and Kennedy... Cherrington among them as well. Some Dragons types were in Renee Target in here as well. And there's some young girls there that are uh, in the Bulldogs side that have actually signed with the Dragons in RLW. So it's worth a look in that regard. My, the intriguing one, and it was the it was the anchor of my coverage of this game this week, Emma Tonegato deployed at lock forward mm. last week against the Tigers. Um, and it's obviously a role she played pretty well for Brad Donald uh, in the Gillaroo setup. Obviously, when Sam Bremner over there was preferred uh, at fullback, she's headed to Cronulla to play in the number six jumper, as I understand. So there's a positional switch on the cards for her, but uh, at lock forward in the middle there, playing a bit of a an Isaiah Yo type role, perhaps with some ball playing in there. And I thought last week the the way. The Steelers cut a sway through the middle of the the Tigers, who look have struggled this year. It's certainly going to be a different matter against um, Canterbury this week, but they're a very very big forward pack, and I think her moving into that spot just opens them up. I thought last year didn't have a ton of touches last week, but the way the other Steelers forwards were able to benefit from the extra space she created, just being in there just by her presence, um, was very very good. And I think you know their trump card's going to be that one-two punch in the middle. Keely Davis at nine, uh, unfortunately uh, unveiled as a Sydney Roosters mm. signing uh, yesterday. Today, but uh, yeah, Emma Tonegato, Keely Davis in the middle. Uh, that's going to cause headaches for, for any team. And that's going to be the way they play. The other three sides, Mounties, North Sydney, and obviously the Bulldogs in this final series, all very big forward packs, play a real power game. The Steelers, a point of difference, not as big, but really stacked in their, in their back line. So I think adding uh, Emma Tonegato to the forward pack uh, could be a, a real difference maker. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And it's a grand final qualifier. That's the beauty of it. As much as it's a ruthless... Finals cut. You're then one game away from the big dance and anyone's a chance. So, yeah, really, really looking forward to, to that one tomorrow. And uh, obviously in Tasha Gale Cup, their um, good win last week. They'd had a fortnight off, so you're wondering how they're going to handle, you know, the way that would be, especially when you're still age group footy, like younger players. You never know how they're going to handle that type of thing. But uh, tight first half, came back and, and found a gear. Three unanswered tries in the second. They'll really like their chances against the Bulldogs as well. I spoke to the skipper Ella Costa. Uh, this week as well. I realise she's signed with the Dragons in RW as well. She's also yes. the youngest ever Super W, Super w rugby player with the Waratahs last year. Debuted, okay. debuted at 16. So she's I love hearing one to watch coming through the rugby NRLW leagues. NRLW bringing players from other codes. It says that we're doing something right as a rugby league fraternity to attract female athletes to play league as opposed to the sports they had been in previously. Well, Bronte Wilson also was one of four development players. Uh, Jamie Soward announced last week as well, come across from the Waratah. She's a Wollongong girl, so it's great to see that she's um, close to home. But she's she's another one that's uh, that's come across. And it probably points to... We, we've, we've quite rightly spoken a lot about uh, the departures from the Dragons and RW setup, but uh, I guess looking at that, it points to, I guess... The, the lengths, obviously, Jamie Soward and, and his manager, Steve Nielsen, who you know, deserves a rap for what he does in that area uh, as far as putting a roster together and looking at perhaps some non-traditional avenues to get uh, build that depth, which is going to be important because, as we say, there's four teams coming in and uh, a lot of the marquee players are signing long-term deals. So where they've signed with, they're going to be there for quite mm. some time. So if you haven't got them, you're going to need to find them from somewhere and they're 
looking a bit outside the box to do it. Jeno, I was looking through this um, Harvey Norman game tomorrow. Steelers Bulldogs. You spoke extensively about it. Boy, the Bulldogs line up well on paper. You look at some of the familiar names that have made a name, I suppose, in an RLW, like Abbey Church, Gale, Brought, and there's Holly Wheeler. Kennedy Cherrington up against Emma Tonegato in that lock forward role. Um, Taylor Preston, Tiana Raff, Strand Smith. There are a host of very, very capable women's rugby league players in that Bulldogs team. It, it, would you frame a market? Is, this a, is it a toss of the coin job? Are the dogs favourites here? What, what way do you feel that... Uh, that you know, we line up here. I think, as we discussed, I don't think you can have a firm favourite in, yeah. any, in any of these games. They're so evenly poised. I think you, you spoke to probably the forward strength of, of the Bulldogs there with those names, the Cherrington girls, obviously Holly Wheeler. Um, so I think it's going to be one of those very much a styles make fight type game. If the Steelers can complete, I know it seems like a cliche, but if they hand over a lot of footy to this Bulldogs team, then they're going to get run through. And that's happening. Probably some of their losses this year, that's what the Steelers have done. They haven't been able to. You know, they've handed over too much footy and against probably North Sydney in round seven was the notable one where they just couldn't then hold them when you've got a big forward pack, you know, with more than their share of the footy, you're going to struggle. But like I said, if they hold their footy and what they can do as far as some variety, that's where it can be won for the Steelers. And look, the the classy players, you've got to remember too, it's a stacked back line, the Steelers, obviously. Emma Tonegato's moved into the forward, but... For most of the year, she's been there at fullback. You've got Talia Fumiano, Rachel Pearson, uh, Tegan Berry will probably be the number one for the Dragons in NRLW this year. So, look, the Steelers have got their fair share of big names, and I still think Keely Davis, to me, is uh, if she's not the best player in women's footy, she's um, in the top handful. So, so the Roosters have got, got a good team, one. The Roosters have got a very, <laughs> very good one. Well, come on, come on, Chris. It hurts, it stings. Maestro, play it again with the mighty Illawarra Steelers because tomorrow at Leichhardt, 10 a.m., 12.45, Tasha Gale Cup, Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. You'll see the Steelers hoping to play this song in their heads and out loud after victories tomorrow at Leichhardt Oval. Uh, when it comes to local league, Group 7 has been running for a while now, Geno. And you look at the ladder, the Stingrays 3-0, Jeringong, Warilla, Kayama, Jamboree, all two and one. Uh, wins in round three for Jamboree, the Stingrays, Jeringong, Warilla and Kayamba, four of them by single figures. So you look through the scores and you think this is a good competition. They're, they're not the blowout, lopsided results that some country rugby league competitions toss up. And this weekend, I'll go through the draw quickly then get your feedback to what we've seen so far in Group 7. Jeringong against Kayama. That's today, 3 o'clock, Mick Cronin Oval. What a great afternoon to be down at Mick Cronin Oval. Jeringong v Kayama. Tomorrow, all these games at 3. Milton Ulladulla against Berry. Warilla hosting Stingrays of Shell Harbour. Albion Park Oak Flats at home to Narrabomadary. And Jem... Jamboree travelling to Shell Harbour. That's the uh, that's the menu this weekend. Group 7, what are you making or is it too early to form any real conclusions yet? Well, it's, it's obviously a bit early to form some conclusions, but like you said, they're getting they're, they're even games, and, and last year there probably were some, some blowouts and some teams that were probably outclassed from the jump in a lot of games, but it seems that it's even out. Like the NRL, we can say, some of the top guns back to the field just a little bit. The the interesting one for me is still is still Stingrays. Obviously, we always yep. interesting how they fare. They haven't been in the competition that long. They were the whipping boys there a little bit when they started, but obviously uh, the Ray brothers there really turned that club around, put a lot of great players into that team and made them a contender, but they've moved on this year, so you always wondered how they're going to know. Tom Warner, um, captain coach there, and obviously doing a great job. They're the only undefeated team uh, through these rounds, and they got Rilla, uh, and that's going to be a dub. That's turned into a real, obviously, Shell Harbour Rilla will always 
always be a derby, but uh, this one's starting to get quickly on par last year. The Stingrays got a win last year. They were down to uh, 12 men for 73 minutes and still got a win. So Wow, what a send-off after the, seven minutes. Yes, yes. And you go on to win the game. Go on to win the game. So, oh, that, that remarkably happens in, in Group 7 quite often. It's uh, it's interesting how that does turn out. But to me, over the, you know, still some jostling for position and still some things to sort of play out there till we, we settle, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, as far as jumping out of the gates, uh, probably Stingrays are the story at the moment. Tomorrow at 3pm, Warilla hosting the Stingrays of Shell Harbour, a great local footy game to get out and enjoy. And the Illawarra Rugby League starts this weekend. Now, we know there's no Helensburg Tigers or Cronulla Carringbar, but still six teams, and today is the day. All these games at 3 o'clock, De La Salle against the Rule. That's at Captain Cook Park, just a short trip up the uh, the highway. West's hosting Dapto at Sid Parish. Coromel at home to Collies at Zeems Park. So last year, Collies beat West controversially 12-10. You called that grand final, Mitch Jennings. Are Collies the team to beat again? They open their campaign at Coromel today. Oh, boy, oh, boy. You've got to say, the running premiers are always the team to beat, aren't they, until proven otherwise. But I guess one of the biggest stories you can have in the competition, Nathan Fien, been there for six years. Obviously, two of them, albeit two of them, interrupted by, by COVID. But... Uh, three premierships in four seasons there and now Peter Hooper uh, taking the reins. They've gone internal as far as how they've gone in replacing Nathan Fien. Hoops has been there sort of in the lower grade setup for, for a couple of years and I guess the intriguing thing about Collegians is they've pretty much come back with a side very, very, very similar to the one that won the comp and probably the one that won the 2019 one as well. So they're backing sort of what they've got. Other teams have had a bit of a, a, a recruitment recruitment drive. De La Salle probably the most notable in that regard. I mean, I looked at their team sheet yesterday and it's barely recognisable from what it was okay. last year. Some key guys in there, but... Who are some gone... of the keys? I think you did an article this week naming the key man for each club, didn't you? I did, well, yeah, because it's interesting just who the new people at the club yes. that you're going to spin on. So, obviously, for Peter Hooper is the new man at Collegians. He was the he was the new face that they are probably going to hinge on. I think at De La Salle, look, I'm not hugely familiar with a lot of those names. They've mostly played up in sort of New South Wales Cup, Ron Massey Cup, but... Uh, Luke Manahan, De La Salle coach, pinpointed Jack Williams, who's been in the Cronulla and Parramatta yes. lower grade systems. So he's one to watch. Uh, obviously, that's the rule. Jared Boyle is a, is a huge coup. I, I think it's just it's it's become a matter of fact in this competition. You increase your chances of a premiership with Jared Boyle in your lineup. He's going for he's looking for a third premiership with a third club, and that's what you see a, a success follows this guy, so he'll be... What position Jared play? He plays in the 5-8, so okay. he'll be partnered with the reigning uh, Paul McGregor medalist, Taj Whitford, so an emerging half with a with a long-established yeah. one. It's hard to see any of Good the combo. other halves combinations being better than that. I think they'll be the best. And West, well, look, uh, they, some heartbreak driving them from, from last year. They've got a lot of the usual suspects there under Pete McLeod, but obviously Sosia Fecky uh, is a big signing in there. William yeah. Peachy coming down from De La Salle as well is good, so I, I really think if I was going to pinpoint a team sight unseen that I think that I was going to tip at the moment, I'd probably be leaning towards West. Going out to have a look at them today, I'll be calling it uh, against Dapto with the great man Johnny Pett, great friend G'day, of Johnny. the show. Good day, Johnny. And He'll obviously, be yeah, and, and, and Dapto. Very, very interesting to see what they produce because they've gone pretty hard in the recruitment market as well. Peter Godinay, Aaron Gray, uh, Brad Takarangi. So how that's, they that's meld an with impressive it. list. Yeah, and it's, and it's been the formula for Dapto when they've had success. Blake Wallace knows what success at that footy club looks like. He was there when they won the 2016 Premiership and a lot of the attention at that time was around, you know, some of the XNRL guys they had in the team. They're obviously captain coached by, by Michael Henderson, uh, Joel Reddy, these types of guys. But people forget that underneath that there was a huge crop of Dapto Canaries juniors that loved the club, had come through the ranks. And, and I think 
we've seen in this competition everywhere we talk about big names that come into the the comp and top things up but every team that has had success and tasted premier success has had a core group of guys typically local juniors coming through and that touch of class becomes a top up so that's what have to have this year. I thought they were in a lot of games last year under under Blake Wallace, but uh, yeah, obviously didn't quite have the clout to get some points off the back of it to see the games out. So if those guys can uh, come in and get them close enough, they've probably got the class to get them over the line in a couple now. But I also mentioned in that Joshy Varcher's coming back, Chalk, one of my favourite players I've watched in this competition. Front rower, he leads conditioning drills. He's the fittest, fittest man on the planet. He'll That's play. unlike a front rower. Well, exactly. So he'll probably play 80 minutes. They'll uh, hide behind weeks. the trees. Yeah, exactly. They're only most... spotted when there's free beers at the front bar. No, they're usually doing the Boston, <laughs> the, the ultra marathon trick. They <laughs> jump in the car. <laughs> jump, so, no, maybe they went on the run. Maybe Chalk was jumping in a car somewhere between the showground and Reed Park and no. he was all of a sudden rocking up first. When I was so playing bush footy, we'll have to check for the him. coaches, they go and do 10 laps and after the first, the three front rowers be hiding behind a bush. They'd resurface after lap nine and then squirt water on themselves and say, oh, come on, come on, sir, that's, that's enough. Got, that's got to be a PB. <laughs> nah, maybe, uh, maybe there's a car, there's a, if there's a car parked <laughs> mysteriously behind the, uh, behind the track there at the Dapdo showground, we might suspect him, but uh, yeah, he's going to be a, a really big inclusion uh, for them this year as well, not the, the profile of some of the others, yep. but I think he's just as important. That's good. So what, how do we listen today? Uh, where are you and Johnny Pett doing your great work? We'll be at Parish Park. For uh, West v Dapdo? Yep. Free to view, Bar TV, sport, the match of the round. Okay. I'll be up there in the box. I'm sure uh, the great Matty Ray, president of the Devils, will be uh, have some Coke Zeros on hand. Always <laughs> looks up. The, the hospitality at the Parish Park Media Box. Fantastic. Always very good. So I'm, I'm pumped, Matty. I've, I've been waiting for this comp to come back. That's good. They're, they're very, 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 very stacked. Bit of a blow this week to it with uh, very disappointed to hear uh, Jared Mullen at yeah. Coromel. His, his time there is over, you know, before it's begun. But uh, I really hope we see something from Peck injury or shoulder injury. Shoulder, yeah. He actually did it against the greatest footy club on the planet, which is the Foster Tungari Hawks oh, up my, my way, Matty Russell. So he did it. But that was some time ago. So I think it's, it's been news to a lot of people. I think internally, it's probably a reality they were awake to and have been prepared for it. They've cast a wide net in their recruitment. Not not huge names, but certainly some guys that have come in and bolstered it. And uh, Drew Keys was taking a, a long-term approach to it when he came to the role last year. So a winless season for them, a tough one. But... He feels that uh, they put a lot in place to ensure that hard slog won't be wasted. They're up against Collies first up. It's going to be a stern test, but a lot of people will be interested to see what they uh, what they produce on the back of that, uh, I guess, morale-sapping development on the eve of the season. If I was rehabbing a bung shoulder, I'd be in Foster Tuncurry. Lakes and Ocean Hotel, giving the shoulder a fair workout, I reckon. Bit of a swim each morning, afternoon, Lakes and Ocean Hotel. Your shoulder would be right in no do, do time at all. Work. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Do, your, do your aqua therapy. And, and real quickly, you mentioned one name there. Sasai Fecky playing for West. That's a good get. He's a, he's a fantastic fella, uh, and he's a 2016 Premiership winner. He played in the grand final for Cronulla, and here he is back lending that experience, that knowledge, that know-how, that guidance to West. I, I love hearing those stories because that's what I say country rugby league, but any regional rugby league, be it Group 10, Illawarra, in the Newcastle comp, Northern Rivers, wherever, if you get premiership winning players back in that competition, how good is it? Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very good. And it's something that used to happen quite often in this competition, but once COVID hit, it changed the way clubs budget, it changed the way the net they cast in recruitment. So haven't seen as much of it in previous as we have in previous years, but he uh, obviously finished up in the UK with Castleford, which mm. Grant Millington is a Castleford legend over there, the best ever import they've, they've had, became a mainstay there. In contrast to what we see with a lot of Aussies who go to 
the Super League and, and float around. He was a, a Castleford man through and through, and he came back to West last year. He was outstanding for them, was absolutely outstanding, and obviously formed a, a friendship with uh, Sasai Fecky over there in the Super League and has, uh, yeah, called in a favour or two to, to get him there. But he's a lot of the times you hear a lot of these recruits might come in and miss some sessions and, and drift in and out, but he's been there day one of pre-season and yeah Pete McLeod can't speak highly enough of him so the sort of fella he is the side Fecky you'll see him in the Illawarra Rugby League this season we're back after this you're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on a beautiful Saturday morning in the Illawarra there's a new player in town Wollongong City GWM Havel visit them for a test drive today you're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track it's great to have you with us, Matt Russell, alongside Mitch Jennings. Mitch, I asked you this week, what are some of the big talking points we could touch on? You named Sam Kerr's 59th minute FA Cup goal for Chelsea against Aston Villa. The Matilda has led Chelsea into their third straight women's FA Cup final. It happened earlier this week. They'll play Manchester United at Wembley. What an occasion, you know. Chelsea, Man U, Wembley, FA Cup final. Sam Kerr will be there in front of about 50,000 fans. And the Women's World Cup, it's only 89 days away. So we are heading towards this big event in Australia and New Zealand. What better way to bring in Illawarra Mercury football guru, Jordan Warren. Jordan, I hope you're all right on Thursday morning after Mitch's birthday celebration. <laughs> I held up all right at work, and I think Jenna did too, which is a bit of a surprise, to be honest. I think uh, Jenna probably had a few more points of Guinness than I did. He's fueled on that stuff. He runs. That's like oil on, the, on an elite engine. It's, it's like good oil, lubricant mate. for the, the it's, engine. It's the V8. Pre, it's premium. Premium leaded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, where do you want to start, Jordan? I mentioned Sam Kerr's FA Cup goal. There's been plenty of Champions League action this week as well. We know that uh, your sports editor, Timmy Barrow, first thing on Thursday morning to watch Man City. What are you making of the Champions League and where we're at with that competition? Yeah, I was talking to Mercury Sports Editor Baz on, on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I'm pretty sure it was Thursday when Man City sort of progressed to the next round against Bayern Munich. They, of course, beat uh, Bayern Munich 3-0 in the first leg, and then they had a one-all draw, which was, of course, uh, in the second leg, which, was of course, is enough to get them through to the next round. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, in terms of the Champions League, obviously we've seen uh, Real Madrid sort of doing their thing, sort of fly, flying under the radar, which is pretty phenomenal considering that they've you know won it last year and they've won it, I think, something like 14 times in its history. And, of course, we've got a bit of a shock in terms of the Italian teams doing really well. Napoli and AC Milan, of course, were in the quarters. And, of course, uh, AC Milan qualified from that. And you've got Inter Milan in a, in a semi-final. Uh, ACE against Inter Milan in the semi-final. And the other semi-finals, Real Madrid against Man City. So... It should be a phenomenal end of the Champions League season. And, yeah, you mentioned, of course, Maddie and Jenna, Sam Kerr, strutting her stuff. Strutting her stuff. She's just a phenomenal player. And, yeah, uh, in fine form for the Women's World Cup coming up, which is important for the Matildas as well. Rabs, I want to ask you about this because it seems so often in Australia we wake up every morning to news that Sam Kerr has done something else remarkable. It just it, It's like clockwork. But, uh, obviously, she's been in that conversation. No Ballon d'Or, no World Player of the Year. It baffles us over here. You're more across it than perhaps me and the great Matty Russell. I mean, why is that? Where does she sit in that conversation as far as you're concerned? And why has it been so difficult for her to get that recognition? I mean, she's definitely up there, Jenna, like in terms of the world's best. I think last time in the uh, your, uh, placing, she finished third, but there was, of course, a, a massive uproar in Australia about why she wasn't first in the world. But uh, I, I almost think that, like... 
I don't know if it's a simple as this, but I just feel like that there. I don't know if there's this disrespect that she's an Australian that she can't be the best player in the world. Obviously, you've got your traditional Brazilians, your English people, your uh, sort of European, South American nationalities that sort of always take out the top gong. But Sam Kerr, she's just been strutting her stuff for so long and so consistently that I, it's almost disrespectful that she hasn't won that award. And, but I guess if she keeps doing her stuff with with Chelsea, sort of, she has to be considered in that conversation for a long time yet. But I sort of feel that if say perhaps the Matildas go on and win the World Cup then she's almost certainly in that conversation and I dare say if they win the World Cup then she would have to be the winner of, of the award she just consistently scores goals uh, for a club Chelsea in one of the top league if not the best league in the world in the, in the Women's Super League in, in England and uh, yeah I sort of feel like that maybe her Matildas performances in the past obviously she's uh, the Matildas and Australia's top goal scorer so it's sort of the, the standard she set is incredible but in terms of sort of uh, major tournaments, Asian Cups, World Cup, she sort of hasn't really uh, performed as well as she'd like. Obviously, in the Asian Cup last year, where they got knocked out pretty early against South Korea in the round of 16, she actually apologised to, to her teammates for not scoring in their 1-0 loss. So that just sort of shows what um, standard she sort of set for herself. But I dare say, and especially with the World Cup coming up uh, and the form that the Matildas are in, obviously, they just knocked off the Toms away from home with a severely understrength lineup in a friendly just last month, or I think it was earlier this month, uh, they're sort of in, in incredible form. So I think with a home World Cup coming up, if they win it, then Sam Kerr's got to be the, the top contender for that Ballon d'Or award. As I understand it too, the, the criteria speaks to individual accomplishments, you know, and then team secondary, as far as I've read the criteria in, in that regard. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Rabs, but I guess she's got the opportunity as well to, you know, get a treble there in Europe. And then, as you say, with the World Cup, I mean, is it going to hinge on, as you've said, it's... It seems to be some sort of cultural cringe at play, I guess, because they go to those traditional sporting nations, those traditional footballing nations, I suppose, with those awards. But, I mean, does it come down to, I guess, team success, really, when it comes down to, to this? She's obviously been the best, you know, player in the Matildas for a long time, probably the best the best player we've ever produced, mm. men or women. So uh, does it come down to the team success when it comes to her getting her due on that regard? I think it definitely does, and um, I guess it sort of depends on, yeah, it depends on what team she's sort of in. Obviously, the Matildas are sort of ranked around that top 20, top 10, top 20 in the world. They're sort of not one of the, the best teams in the world, but they're sort of, they still produce a number of brilliant results and performances, and obviously with Chelsea, a world-class team, so I think it helps to have that team. But yeah, you're right, Jeno, it's purely based on individual performances, but yeah, you look at in the men's game, obviously Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, they were you know, won the blue and the oil, you know. I think Messi was six times Ronaldo might have been four, something around that, like, phenomenal figure. But they were in, like, less. Messi was uh, was a Barcelona legend, sort of still playing at Paris Saint-Germain, a uh, top club, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Manchester United, Real Madrid, obviously, like, phenomenal teams. And so, obviously, being in a, in a good team that wins titles and, and wins World Cups in a national sense, obviously, helps with... Uh, with the with the Bloom Dior gone, I guess. Um, obviously, if a player's in a not-so-good team, um, it's going to be harder for them to win the award. So, yeah, being in a phenomenal team definitely helps. So, Sam does probably have that in his favour at Clubland, but the Matildas need to perform, obviously need to get to a... Obviously, a World Cup would be phenomenal to win it, but getting to a semi-final would probably be a pass mark. If they sort of get up into that last four in the World Cup, then, then she's got to be up there for the award uh, in the next round. It'll be here sooner than later, the Women's World Cup, 89 days away. Here right now is the A-League reaching the pointy end of the season. Jordan, are you on any sidelines this weekend? 
Not this weekend, Matty. I, I had the honour of doing the Mariners against Melbourne City last weekend, which is a sensational game, a one-all draw. And of course, City clinched the Premier's plate, not in the game, but the day after, thanks to a result going uh, against Adelaide, second place Adelaide. But I am on next week for a, a Wellington Phoenix game against MacArthur Bulls. Obviously, MacArthur still uh, in the running for the finals, but probably going to be out of it by next week, you would dare say. Wellington are in that fifth and sixth sort of race with Sydney FC, but... Uh, yeah, uh, last week sort of the Mariners sort of strutted their stuff, showed that they deserved up there and sort of in the grand final talks, I guess. They had a one-all draw with Melbourne City and then uh, this week they're sort of um, going to try and continue in doing their stuff. And then next week I'm preparing for a bumper sort of last round. You've got a, uh, on a Friday night blockbuster, you've got Adelaide, second place Adelaide or third place Adelaide after the Wanderers win last night against fourth place uh, Central Coast Mariners and then Melbourne City against Western Sydney Wanderers next week. So that'll basically decide who gets home finals, who uh, hosts an elimination final. It, it, it's still all to play for in the A-League. And then you've got Wellington who went down 4-0 to uh, Western Sydney last night, like I just mentioned, and Sydney FC playing on uh, Monday night against Brisbane Raw, who are still fighting for final spots. There's something like uh, Sydney FC are on 32 points in fifth spot with Wellington are also on 32 points and, and Melbourne Victory who are currently last and are out of the finals race now are on 25 points so there's just 7 points separating fifth from, from 12 so it's been one of the closest A-League seasons in recent memory and to be honest anyone out of the Premiers Melbourne City uh, the Mariners Adelaide or Western Sydney I think are, are really a really good shout to, to take out the A-League Grand Final this year Jordan, time's starting to beat us but real quickly give us a key point regarding the Wolves and also Football South Coast's men's Premier League competition? Yeah, well, the Wolves go up against Manly United tonight uh, in the National Premier League. So the Wolves are sort of sitting in 12th position at the moment. They're sort of stuttering, but do have a bit of a younger side uh, that they've sort of, that David Carney, the coaches, is dealing with. They've obviously got some sensational players in former A-League product, Lockie Scott, Josh McDonald. Uh, so they're sort of looking to uh, bounce, well, they're sort of looking to build, I should say, on the clean sheet they got against Sydney United last week, which was a pretty good result in, in all honesty. Uh, but Manly knocked them out of the Australia Cup a couple of weeks ago, so it will be a, a bit of bitterness in the Wolves, and, and I dare say that they'll want to get some revenge. And then, just uh, turning briefly, yeah, to the, the IPL, we were meant to have a, a pretty... There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yeah, good to have you with us. Anzac Day coming our way on Tuesday. Sport is lucky to have a small role as we honour service men and women, past and present, some fallen, never forgotten. We say thank you and we look forward to honouring your service on Tuesday. Already the Sporting Codes are doing that with ceremony pre-game. Our panel operator, the esteemed Chris Yend, Yendi, he says that it's good to do that. He thinks it's breeds inclusiveness, involves everyone in Australia's special day. Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney, the hard-working hero from Hunters Hill. Should we play the last post and ceremony before every game or just the Anzac Day games? Just on the Anzac Day, but have the moment silence before every other game. Nice alternative. What about you, Mitch Jennings? Yeah, I don't have a problem with either, Matty. I think it's a round that deserves and should be treated with that amount of reverence, and I've got no problem with it as it is. I certainly don't have a problem with it as it is, so I like it. Yeah, why not? It's Anzac round. Everyone, I'm sure all the players 
want to have play their part in honouring our, our servicemen and women, whether they're in the traditional Anzac Day games or not. So, yeah, I think every game. I like it just on Anzac Day to breed real significance to that special day. I Which don't is mind, a good point as well. I don't mind the minute silence just to bring a little bit into it around the game. I've got the ultimate solution, though. Interview 100 senior service men and women, past and present, say, what would you like us to do? Only on Anzac Day or over the whole round, whatever the majority is, we do that because it is their day. Make sure you enjoy your day on Tuesday. That is Saturdays in the gong. We're back next weekend.